This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 595 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by FeedXL.com, online nutrition software. Greetings, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is about preparing your mare for breeding season, and it's an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on the Horses in the Morning Show, episode 328. But first, a word from today's sponsor, FeedXL. Is your horse's diet balanced? Find out with FeedXL. FeedXL does all the smart stuff that it takes to formulate and balance a horse's diet. It takes all of the science and math that a doctor of equine nutrition learns and makes it all super easy and fun to use. Just plug in a few simple details to see if your horse is having his nutritional needs met. FeedXL is like having your own personal equine nutritionist stuffed right in your back pocket. And FeedXL is so good that it's used by leading equine nutritionists to formulate balanced diets for their clients. Using the details about your horse and what you feed him, FeedXL will do some serious math to calculate if your horse's nutritional requirements are being met. See the results of this math displayed in numerous ways, including the easy-to-read graph that highlights excesses and deficiencies in his diet. Learn more about equine nutrition and how to feed your horse for ultimate performance by visiting the FeedXL Learning Center and the FeedXL Member Forums. The newly designed FeedXL website is super easy to navigate and bursting with information. Go to FeedXL.com today because nutrition makes a difference. Now, enjoy today's tip. We've got Michelle here and also Dr. Jones from Florida Equine. And you guys are going to talk about uh, something that is pretty common this time of year. It's breeding season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the foals have started to hit the ground. We're starting to see them in Oregon. I'm actually in Lexington right now, but but back home we're seeing the babies, and so it's about time to start thinking about um, breeding your mare if that's what you're going to be doing this year. Um, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about mare breeding basics, uh, and I just want to point out we have uh, – convention coverage from AAEP. We have a reproduction video that's on our Facebook page. If you want to check that out, you can get the complete wrap-up of um, the repro topics that were covered in San Antonio. Um, And then we also have an article today posted as our feature article about treating uh, uterine infections in mares with antibiotics uh, to help with your fertility rates. So anyway, I just want to direct the listeners to those sources, um, and then talk about these mares a little bit. You know, I've had I've bred two foals. Um, one, the first one was a very backyard operation. We it was with the same mare um, two times. You know, she went to this place um, live cover and came back, and we ended up with a healthy foal. Very little vet interaction in that. Uh, situation. The next time I went to breed her, I sent her off to the fancy mare motel um, where she had. Uh, lots of lots of care, lots of vet interaction, um, and I have the ultrasound picture of my my Jack, who's a big boy now, um, but I have an ultrasound of him when he was just a little bean um, that proved that she was pregnant. Um, 
much more expensive that second time around. Um, both got both times we got healthy foals. But I wanted to talk to Dr. Jones today because I think I got lucky that first time uh, and, and talk to her about why it's important to get your vet involved from the beginning in this breeding process. So good morning, Dr. Jones. Good morning. And making babies <laughs> is the most fun we have in veterinary Yay. medicine. So seeing that live baby on the ground is just very mm. fruitful for your job, that's for sure. I, it, it's okay, a lot of fun for, for, for not just horses, I just wanted to say. The way you said well, that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> apparently I'm our speaking. last guest thought so, too. She had 10 kids, so. <laughs> well, I uh, Dr. Fix. Jones, i got to call you up for lying right now because I'm sorry. I worked at a repro vet, and there is nothing fun about sticking your hand up horse after horse's <laughs> rear end, pulling out the poop, throwing it on the ground, and trying to stick some nasty, slimy ultrasound up in there. Tell me that is not super fun for you. Well, you know, um, it's the challenge, and it's not the challenge of sticking my arm up into that void spot. And, by the way, I'd love to know who is the veterinarian that ever thought of that idea. But, anyway. Um, Seriously. Yeah, who's the first guy to try that? <laughs> exactly. Um, and who would stand behind a horse and do it untranquilized? Because, you know, we've been doing this for years before tranquilizations were heavy. So, anyway, that's another subject, I'm sure. But uh, the um, challenge of getting them pregnant is the, is the fun part, I hate to say, for a veterinarian. It's, you know, granted, it, it'd be great if we went through and 100% of our mares always got pregnant. But I'd have to say our job would be very boring because, you know, you stick your arm in, the follicles this side, stick your arm in the next day, the follicles this side, stick your arm in, oh, the follicles right side, the right size, you give them the uh, inducing medication, you breed them, you stick your arm in, they ovulate it, stick your arm in, 14 days later you get a baby, blah, blah, blah. That sounds pretty mundane to me. Now, <laughs> the mares that don't get pregnant the entire year <laughs> are not the challenge we want either, which is the really, really problem mares. So, you know, the kind of in-betweens where they, they take a little extra step for us to get the job done keeps us veterinarians on our toes. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're doing the, the most cutting-edge thing, we're doing the right thing for the mayor, and that challenge of them not getting it done the first time around can sometimes be, can sometimes be exciting. Yeah, and next week we're hoping to talk about uh, those problem mares and getting those mares pregnant. And we want to invite uh, listeners, if you have any questions about problem mares, to go on the Horse or Horses in the Morning's Facebook pages and submit those questions to us uh, so that we can talk about this more more next week. Um, but I want to go back to why, why do we get um, our vets involved right from the beginning before even maybe um, signing that contract? breed to the stallion. Oh, you, you mentioned something very good there, Michelle, signing a contract. That's very, very <laughs> important to do <laughs> because you want to make sure that the stallion owner is upfront about the cost and upfront about how often you're able to breed to that stallion in case your mayor is one of those problem mayors and doesn't take the first time around. In nature, we all think everybody gets pregnant, every horse gets pregnant, every animal gets pregnant. But there are reproduction specialists for the human world, just like there are in the animal world, because not everybody does get pregnant. I am an example of it. I have one out of five, and he's a beautiful boy. So there are, there are problem mayors in the human world, and there's problem mayors in the horse world. And um, so anyway, <laughs> the contract is definitely something you want to um, see. And what that will tell you, whether it's a live cover or artificial, what that's going to tell you is 
when, what they need to know. Do you have to notify them? Do they need a culture of your mayor? Um, are they EVA positive? These are all diseases that can be transmitted reproductively, just like in the human world, STDs. You can get the same thing in the horse world. So you want to make sure that you're protecting your mayor, and they want to make sure they're protecting your stallion. So the live cover versus the artificial, which is what Michelle had experience in, both of them really should involve a veterinarian. The artificial is going to involve the veterinarian more. The live cover is a minimal involvement. But again, even in live cover, I've told uterine cultures and cytologies to make sure the mare is clean because they don't want their stallion jumping a mare that's dirty. And then they wear their stallion out because she's not going to get pregnant because she is dirty. And they're going to continually be breeding her. You'll be back at the breeding um, farm the next month when she's in take. You'll be back again the next month. So they may require you to get a uterine culture just to make sure that their stallion doesn't get worn out if he's got a big, long stallion list. Mm -hmm. In the thoroughbred so, world, they do live cover. So there's no artificial. And you involve the veterinarian just as much as you do in the artificial world because you're only allowed one appointment time per breeding cycle at that shed row. So when you go to the breeding so, shed, you better darn well make sure your mare is ready to ovulate and will stand still for that science. Mm -hmm. So by getting a vet involved from the beginning, you're going to up your chances of conception and get her pregnant and get that baby on, on the way sooner. Is that Absolutely. And then with yours, I think you and I discussed that you had a rectal palpation to confirm her pregnancy, and that has been done in the past at 30 days. Well, there are mm -hmm. certain breeds that are known to produce twins. They, they ovulate mm -hmm. two follicles, and it's pretty common. Thoroughbreds are one of them. But warm bloods also do, draft horses do, and occasionally some quarter horses do. And you want to make sure that there's not two babies in there because a mare can lose both babies at eight months of age, eight months of gestation. Or if she takes them to term, you're going to have a problem with one or both of those babies surviving. Or you may have a problem with your mare. So mm -hmm. it's very important to involve the veterinarian even on a live cover, such as the thoroughbred world or your backyard um, breeding shed, like you said, you had, because at 14 mm -hmm. to 16 days, you can find that twin on ultrasound. Hold up. And you now, I got a question. Uh, don't, don't you want to find that, uh, to do an ultrasound sooner than that, to see if you have twins so you can successfully pinch one? Isn't it like 14 days or something? Yeah, that's what I said, 14 to 16 days. I must have cut out. Yeah. Oh yeah, I lost it there. So sorry. Yeah. So yeah. it's very important to get your get your horse checked. I mean, literally fourteen, fifteen days after it's bred. When I worked for the, um, I, I he was a theriogenist or whatever. Uh, I don't know how to say that, but he specializes in. And <laughs> how do you say it? What's the word? Theriogenologist. That's right. Theriogenologist. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and I, we would, but he would find twins. Quite a bit. We did a lot of racehorses, you know, and he would find twins all the time. Yeah. It depends on the breed. You'll find them very, very often. And I'm unfortunately going to check a mare today that they reduced, is what they call it, reduced the twin at 45 days plus. Actually, the, the mare was at four months. And mm. uh, it, was, it was supposedly pinched at 14 days. But on follow-up, <clears throat> which I don't know if the follow-up was closely after the pinching. Usually once you pinch them, you follow up three or four days later to make sure that the pinching went well, everything's still going well. Um, I have, from what I understand, it was 45 days before it was seen that the, the twin reduction didn't work by pinching. So they came to me 
and I sent them to the University of Florida, we reduced the um, other embryo, and she has still got a healthy baby, and she's at uh, months nine, ten right now. So wow. we're, we're all pretty excited, but we have been doing monthly checks on her to make sure everything's still healthy. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so, so, it, so can, you, it can be problematic if you don't twin, pinch that twin early, that's for sure. <laughs> So Absolutely. let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit before conception. Um, you mentioned ovulation and, and some um, different time frames. What does the mare's reproductive cycle look like? What does the mare owner need to know about that reproductive cycle before they take, after they've signed the contract, they've picked the man of their dreams for their mare? Um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what do they need to know about their mare before they actually take her to the breeding shed? Well, believe it or not, most of the people that uh, would be serious about showing halter horses have already started by now, and they start mm -hmm. in the fall, and they'll do um, a uterine culture and a cytology of the uterus to see if the mare has an infection in her uterus or if she has a defective uterus. I'll just leave it at that. And what that would show on cytology is a high white cell count, meaning that she's trying to clean up something. It may not be a bacterial or yeast infection. It may be the fact that she just is unable to clean out her uterus and uh, um, drain it well, clear up the, the white cells and bacteria and stuff like that in her uterus. So um, that's usually done right off the bat, and that's done while the horse is in heat. So that's a big thing is you need to know when is your mare in heat, and most people don't have a stallion on the property to know when the mare is in heat, and they could be silent heat mares. Ride yeah, them. And this, like, time, this, and this time of year, ride them. Um, ride them. <laughs> yeah. You'll know if they're in heat. <laughs> nice. So the the mare that that um that I bred, she was a she was silent. You never ever knew she was in heat. Um, and it it took some uh, coaxing to to get that information out of her. So. This time of year, though, are mares usually cycling? Are they ready to be bred no, um, at no, the beginning a, of February? Right, that's so, a good point. Again, these people that want to have early babies, meaning they start February 15th breeding, is they put their mares under lights December 1st in order to trick them into thinking it's springtime. And the horse will respond to 16 hours of light sensitivity to the pineal gland, and it tells the mare, hmm, it's time to breed because with their 11-month gestation, the babies will be on the ground during a warmer time of the year rather than the bitter cold. This is, uh, you know, the natural selection that has occurred in horses. So April, May, depending on where you are in the continental United States, you start to get your 16 hours of light, and the mares start coming into a good cycle. But they go into a restful time in the winter called winter anestrus where they won't cycle, or they'll start to cycle maybe in late February, March, and we call them transitional mares, but they don't actually ovulate. They'll cycle, they open their cervix, but yet the follicle doesn't ovulate. And then they regress, and then they do it again. And this is them coming into their natural breeding time. Mm -hmm. Then they'll so go all, if, all summer, and in fact, their breeding cycles get a little bit longer in the summertime. Again, it's a, it's a uh, natural selection type thing, and the fact that if they didn't get caught by the herd stallion, the... the uh, main stallion of the herd in spring and they had to keep getting bred, they give the stallion longer chances to cover them in the summertime in order to reproduce. Hmm. So um, 
is it too late to start prepping your mare for the breeding season then now, or how long does this take to start putting them under lights and getting them cycling well enough to, to be bred? Well, it depends on your timetable. The thoroughbred people want to have them in the, in the breeding shed by February 15th in order to get that January 1st baby. They want the, the oldest, tallest, longest, you know, colt to run. There is um, the quarter horse um, halter people want to do the same. The Arabian halter people want to do the same. But if you started now, you would just delay. You wouldn't do February 15th. You'd be putting it off more like March, April. So you can either start mm -hmm. them under lights now or just let them naturally come in in March, April. Okay. Okay. And then, and you mentioned uh, the cytology. Are there any other tests that you recommend doing um, for a breeding soundness exam before uh, before you start covering the mare? Well, most people will buy their mares. They enjoy riding them. This is on your you know average uh, horse. They enjoy riding them and and have a good time with them. And then they decide, oh, I really love my mare. I'd like to have a baby out of it. Again, like you said, they find a man of the dreams for the mare, mm -hmm. and they breed. So they never really do a full breeding soundness exam. And what a breeding soundness exam entails is ultrasound of the reproductive tract to make sure that they have all the parts necessary. It's mm -hmm. also evaluation of the cervical area, which is a, a vaginal inspection. There is the culture and the cytology of the uterus. And then they also do a biopsy of the uterus to see what the, the wall of the uterus looks like. And we will do that on problem mares for sure because if they've had many, many babies and then one year they hiccup and they don't have a baby, something might have happened to the inside of that uterus that's causing the mare to not take. So taking a piece of the inside uh, tissue sample can help us better understand the situation. Now, okay. uh, you... The thing is, a lot of these breeding programs, some of this stuff is required if you're going to breed to their stallion, you know. So this, this is not even just a soundness exam. I mean, it might be required. So definitely check with the stallion owner uh, and see what they require. Now, I've got to ask Dr. Jones, uh, before we let you guys go, first of all, i got to tell you, you are the most impressive vet I have ever heard. I mean, you know everything about everything. I just round of applause for you. <laughs> thank you very much. Nice. Good Lord, you can't nice. stop. I mean, you know everything about everything. I I wish you lived here. I'd use you all the time. <laughs> well, I'm a, a jack of all trades and master of none, I guess, is how you could put it. <laughs> and and I don't think the listeners know that she's probably standing next to a horse drawing blood right now as she's talking to us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Jones, because I, I feel like sometimes I, I really wanted this to happen. Do you ever say to a client, listen, don't breed this mare. She's got this problem. She's got bad feet. She's got crooked legs. She's got this genetic stuff going on. Do you ever say, don't do this? I don't say don't because it's really the owner's prerogative. And, again, it kind of goes back to the idea that a lot of horses are considered livestock and they can do whatever they want with their livestock. But I will say, you know your mare has really poor behavior and, and breeding them doesn't always make their behavior get better. And do you want to pass on that behavior? And that's, I, I let them think about it. And the other thing is the crooked legs. Your mare has crooked legs. Do you want to pass on that crooked leg to your foal? It's a chance you take. I had a um, Arabian trainer one time tell me, he said, you know, breeding is like lottery tickets. 
Nobody wants to buy the lottery ticket that doesn't have the winning numbers. And that's exactly what can happen when you breed. You can put the best mare and the best stallion together. We're all excited, looking forward to our Zenyatta and our uh, Rachel Alexander babies coming this year. And they may not be the best-looking babies. You may get the bad lottery ticket. And who's going to buy the bad lottery ticket? Me. I'll take Zenyatta's baby. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take the chance, huh? Yeah, yeah. And nice, I would like nice. to, to update you, ladies, again, before we let you go, uh, I would like to update you that nowhere in the entire system of Google can you find who invented rectal palpation in horses. They're not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you want to look at that? It would actually be somebody time. who... It'd have to be somebody who knew somebody, but you know it goes back to the cardiac catheterization. Two doctors did that on each other to perfect the cardiac catheterization, which is putting that uh, tube in the ephemeral artery of their groin area, sending it up to their heart and evaluating the heart. Two doctors did it to each other. They never did it to a patient. They did it to each other first before they started <laughs> oh, the patient. Geez. So you got to wonder, maybe, maybe these <laughs> rectal exam vets don't want to admit it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I'll leave, I'll leave it on that note. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. You guys are the best. Uh, and go to thehorse.com, floridaequine.com, and uh, I think you had a mention of what you wanted to talk about next week, Michelle. Yeah, um, problem there. So go ahead, listeners, submit questions if you have them on our Facebook page for thehorse.com um, or for Horses in the Morning. Um, I'm sure you Jamie and Jennifer will make sure that we get those questions to address next week. And talk to your veterinarian um, before and during the uh, reproductive thing. Ask them many questions before you jump in and sign that contract. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just email sure. Dr. Jones. She knows everything. So just call her. <laughs> She's a smart I'll be lady. I'll respond to the emails. <laughs> talk to your veterinarian. Um, your veterinarian will know the best route to go for your mares. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Well, there you go. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to Horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to Glenn the Geek and Jamie putting in their two cents on horse health topics, tune in to Horses in the Morning on Wednesdays at 10 for a weekly fix of up-to-minute horse health information. You can also go to thehorse.com and find the motherload of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. Don't forget to support our sponsors on Horse Tip Daily because they really do make these podcasts possible. Today's sponsor has been FeedXL.com, online nutrition software. Don't play the guess and wait game with your horse's health. Go to FeedXL.com and get the facts. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like us to cover on the show. You can subscribe to all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 